The region is growing really well. We're really impressed with the economic diversity and opportunities that are available. And that's kind of like our main message is whether you want to start a company or uh, expand your career into different kinds of technology. There's so many different industries in this county, in particular North County, that uh, I'm just really enthused about how much, how many opportunities are available for people starting their career or changing their career. Um, so I want to encourage people to learn new things and investigate new opportunities that they have. That's Dan Hendricks, the founder and president of Open Source Maker Labs in Vista, California. Dan is one of the founding members of the San Diego Tech Hub and a lead on the innovation pillar. He's an experienced engineer, leader, mentor, and citizen scientist. He's had a fascinating career as a nuclear engineer and information security consultant. Hi, this is Martin Danner. I stopped by the Open Source Maker Labs to find out what it's all about and to learn why Dan got involved with the San Diego Tech Hub. Well, more like why he jumped in with both feet. Dan also told me about a passion project he sponsors called Open Source Saturday. Please join me as I talk with Dan Hendricks at Open Source Maker Labs in Vista, California. My background is I'm a retired naval officer, retired Navy captain, uh, nuclear power program. Uh, first ship was USS Enterprise, the real one. Wow. So I've got a pretty uh, long background in technology and engineering and uh, just a you know, really great set of skills and experience that uh, I was fortunate to have through all those years. Uh, also, being a part-time naval reservist, uh, I also had an opportunity to work in both in industry and in government. So I have kind of a unique perspective where I've worked in military, government, and industry mm. um, in a kind of a blended career path. So it's really been a good good set of experiences. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, uh, so retired recently, and uh, wasn't ready to quit, so to speak, and uh, was looking for ways to pay it forward. And I've always been interested in technology and, and science. Uh, you know, we grew up in the Apollo era, and you know, our heroes then were the astronauts. We were mm. following in real time. You know, we just had the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 landing. Uh, when we were kids, that's what we were all into. Uh, that's what we're watching in, in real time. So that definitely had a positive influence uh, on where I went and, and what I did. And uh, I feel strongly about you know passing on that, that passion, that interest in science and technology and, and innovation. You actually uh, went to school uh, with the U.S. Navy Academy? Yes, Naval that? Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Oh, how was that? Uh, it was tough, but glad I did it. Mm. Uh, uh, got a bachelor's in mathematics, then went on to the nuclear power program. Uh, later, I did have the opportunity to go back to the Naval Postgraduate School, get a master's in computer engineering yeah. at uh, NPS in Monterey. And yeah. I described that as getting halfway through a really good book that I've been trying to finish ever since. Because <laughs> <laughs> the technology is changing and evolving all the time. So you can't just like, oh, I've got my degree, I'm all done. Like I say, yeah, that degree was uh, actually before Windows came out, so I've had to keep up with the technology a bit. Mm. You actually have a background in information security as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm a certified information security professional, CISSP, and I did a lot of work in the Navy uh, supporting the, the Navy's information security program, mm. starting with, uh, I was for a while, I was chief engineer of the Navy's information security program at uh, SPAWAR, the organization down in San Diego, formerly known as SPAWAR, now NAVWAR. Uh, and then also worked uh, with Booz Allen Hamilton doing information security in support of the Navy. Mm -hmm. That's a consulting firm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wow. So that's a that's a pretty hot topic these days. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
and will continue to be. And we've uh, got a fallback career there. <laughs> well, they're all kind of blended together. I'm always always finding ways that they're all interconnected. Yeah, wonderful. So you're one of the founding members of the San Diego Tech Hub, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. What got you involved? Well, it's really uh, that caught my interest in in the mission and the, their cause. <clears throat> was uh, how to grow the technology base in the San Diego region. Um, you know, part of it is economic development, part of it is um, helping people grow into good paying jobs. And uh, it, it, it just seemed to align really well with what our personal mission here was with mm. Open Source Maker Labs mm. at OSML. So it just seemed perfect alignment. I got in touch with them just as they were forming, talked to Claude Jones, the founder. Uh, we talked a couple of times, and it was just a natural fit. And I was asked to be the, the pillar lead for the innovation hub lead there. Uh, it just seemed like a natural fit. Okay. And tell us more about this innovation pillar. What's that all about? Well, the San Diego Tech Hub is really organized around five different pillars, you know, community, inclusion, uh, education, et cetera. And innovation is just one of the pillars, but it's kind of like a uh, foundational effort uh, in there. That area in particular is focused on introducing people and companies to uh, open source uh, projects, not just software, but open source uh capabilities, and also showcasing uh, innovative solutions by people in the county, mm-hmm. and helping to tell the story and inspiring others to join in with the innovation. Okay. And what sort of things have you done with the innovation pillar? Uh, in particular, we started a thing called Open Source Saturday, which we actually host here at OSML every Saturday, and it's kind of like an unconference meetup group. It's centered around people that are doing work in open source software and different projects. But it's really centered around a lot of mentoring, a lot of coaching. So in a single session, it may go from several people working on uh, a JavaScript program uh, aspect of a website to flipping to talking about resumes and career building and coaching each other on what are the opportunities, what are the skill sets that companies are looking for. Wow. So let's say... Hey, that sounds really interesting. I, I've, I've got something I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would I go about engaging in this? It's really easy. Yeah, just show up. It's <laughs> Saturday mornings, you know, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it's something, it's, it's kind of a cultural thing that we've really stressed. It's very, very inclusive, all skill levels. Uh, we really, really uh, strive to ensure that it's not perceived as, oh, you have to be an expert coder before you um, come into this. A quick example of that, we had uh, one of the Tech Hub meetups. I was approached by an IT project manager that explained that he wanted to learn. He was doing a career transition and wanted to learn more about the actual technology that he'd been managing all these years. But he was a little apprehensive about showing up because he didn't know a lot of coding. But I assured him, no, no, just, just come in. Just show up. It's a very inclusive group. So he came in with the expectation that he would learn from a lot of these other experts. What happened was it was a very bi-directional conversation because we had some technical coders that as soon as they met this IT project manager, they just beamed as, wow, great, we'd love to talk to you. They learned from him as much as he learned from them. So the end result was everybody got something out of it. We mm. benefited from each other. Mm. And that's that's the whole theme of it. Yeah, It's a very mutual support, bi-directional. Uh, the metaphor is stone soup. Everybody contributes a little and everybody gets more out of it. Fantastic. So now, do I have to have a project in mind when I show up? No, not at all. It could just be, I'm curious. I want to learn about this. I don't know anything about open source, or I've 
considering a career transition in technology. <clears throat> That's all you need. Mm. Is just take that first step and say, uh, I'd like to learn more. Fantastic. Now you've got a fat, wonderful facility here, and we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. But um, would I bring my computer with me? How does that work? I prefer to bring a laptop. Uh, we have a few loaners here that we can loan out, but uh, <clears throat> most everyone has their own laptop, and they'll connect up uh, to our Wi-Fi network here and just join in on a project. Wonderful. That's that's amazing. Okay, so let's talk a bit about the Open Source Maker Labs. Mm -hmm. Now, you've been doing this how long? Five years. Uh, it's kind of surprising. We say that, like, wow, we've been here operating five years now and just made the move to a, a different building next door. Yeah. And um, it started as a, uh, a makerspace and incubation site for uh, business startups. And there's, we really you know, kind of followed the maker movement was really coming online about 2013, 2014. And that's about the time I was transitioning from my previous career. I thought, okay, maybe that's a way to tie all this together. Mm. And initially, it was more of a uh, retail market, more hobbyist. <clears throat> but as we got into it, we realized that there's a lot of opportunity for entrepreneurs and startups that uh, weren't really being supported. A lot of people with ideas and inventions, but it's that question of where do you go to make your invention? Mm. So, and why the name Open Source Makerspace or Makers Lab? Make uh, good one. The open source is we're using a broader definition of that. Most people think of just open source software, but the idea of uh, shared information uh, it applies to software. There's also open source hardware. There's open source data. There's open source science. Uh, a lot of scientific publications are now being published under Creative Commons license, which allows for controlled sharing. It's more of a modified copyright. <clears throat> but instead of things, all these things being locked up under tight proprietary control, the owner of the information has control over how much they want to share and, how, and for what purposes. So it's really a, a great kind of level setting of balancing of copyright and trade protection. Hmm. So is there an expectation if I do a project here to make it open source? No, no, that's a good question. Not at all. We, we look at leveraging open source for benefit, but we're certainly not limited or restricted to only open source things. Okay. And there are plenty of business models where uh, companies have been formed around supporting an open source thing, like the whole Linux uh, open source operating system. There's lots of businesses that have formed to support um, value add around that. So they're finding a right balance between the open source licensing and traditional business models to support that. Wonderful. That's fantastic. So tell me a bit about the facility itself. Okay, we're in an industrial park in Vista. Um, when we started shopping around for our facility uh, back in 2014, <clears throat> some of the cities we looked at in North County didn't quite understand what we're trying to do, and the zoning was kind of difficult, you know, what category to put us into, uh, until we ran into the city of Vista, and uh, Kevin Hamm was the economic development manager at the city of Vista. Great conversation. We solved it in 30 seconds. He said right away, he said, oh, you're a makerspace. You help create businesses. You're in. Wow. He, he this guy gets it, huh? He understood exactly what we're doing. And the Vista Business Park is zoned for industrial research and development. And it's a perfect fit. So we didn't need any variances for what we intended to operate uh, with how it's zoned here. So a great alignment and a great partner in the city of Vista. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So tell me about some of the 
projects you've run here? Quite a variety. Um, one of our famous phrases here is, we've never done this before, so we like uh, challenging projects that uh, no one's ever tried before. Uh, I think the biggest one we did, probably the most famous one, uh, was three years ago. A team of uh, undergraduate students from UCSD approached us. Uh, they had a, a novel design for a new type of rocket engine that was 3D printed out of uh, an Inconel nickel alloy. That got NASA's attention. <coughs> and um, NASA offered a sponsor to build a rocket to test flight. So this team of undergraduates approached us. They needed a place to build a 20-foot liquid-fueled rocket, and no one would let them do this on campus. Imagine that. Uh, in fact, the faculty was really surprised that students were using power tools. Oh, my gosh. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so long story short, we ended up having a very interesting meeting uh, with the uh, dean of engineering and us and the uh, head of engine testing for NASA. Uh, Roger Simpson came out, and uh, the referee ruling was go to OSML because NASA said that we had the right safety and oversight and background to properly supervise the project. So uh, the students were here every weekend, you know, part-time on their own time. For five months, they did the design fabrication build, resulting in a, a successful test flight up in the Mojave Desert. So it's a fantastic mm. uh, result of that. That is amazing. And the, what really, the, the key thing of what this student club was doing, the reason they're doing it is to break out from all their peers to get that experience. It's very competitive to get into aerospace. Uh, just having a degree, even from a great institution, is not enough. You have to prove yourself. You have to demonstrate that you can actually solve hard problems. And they definitely did that. Yeah. What a wonderful opportunity for them. Yeah. Yeah, it looks great on the resume. And it's working. They're all getting the top level jobs. They're being hired by SpaceX, NASA JPL, Virgin Galactic. I mean, all the top names, they're just knocking it out of the park, getting the dream jobs that everybody wants to have. That's wonderful. How about any others? Well, let's see. We've had, um, we've done several high altitude balloon projects. Uh, those are also some resume builder uh, projects we've done. Uh, we had several students approach us that, again, needed some experience to break out. <clears throat> so we came up with a design challenge to uh, design a, an environmental sensor package and a biology experiment package to go into near space, which is 65,000 feet and up. Um, it's very dark and cold up there. Uh, so using a high L2 balloons or weather balloons uh, technique, get the science package up there, uh, do the experiment and recover the data. Uh, and we, we choose a, a landing site out in the desert east of us over towards Salton Sea. And uh, we've done three of those so far, you know, different groups of college students, very successful, and a lot of fun too, actually. Yeah. You know, we discovered that people actually like to get out and do science in the field. Yeah, roll up your sleeves. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So um, you mentioned to me uh, earlier about the idea that there's, there's some skills that people learn here mm -hmm. that they don't get anywhere else. Yeah. But what are those? <clears throat> I kind of sum it up as really what employers are looking for. And uh, we talked to quite a few businesses around here uh, in the industrial corridor. Um, they're really looking hard to find people with, I, call, I sum it up as three basic skills. Can you work in a team? Can you solve a hard problem? And can you communicate? And those skills are nowhere on anyone's transcript. They just don't offer classes in that. Right. But that's really, really what it comes down to. That's what employers are looking for. So we've designed a lot of projects uh, around that to really draw that out, you know, with a hard engineering or technical problem. Yeah. But it's always team-based. Uh, it's always a tough goal. And it's always not a clear path of how to get there. We don't do the 
you know, here's a prescribed way, step-by-step of how to do it. Yes. That's really interesting because, you know, most people, they put on their resume, team player, good communicator, uh, great problem solver, Hmm. that sort of stuff. But how do you demonstrate that? Exactly. Prove it. How can you show them that, hey, this is Hmm. is what I've done? And you're offering uh, an amazing opportunity to do that. Yes. We have some programs where employers can come in and observe. You know, a sponsoring employer like uh, ASML Symer is one of those. They'll sponsor some projects, and they can come in and observe the performance of people working on different projects in an industrial environment. So from a hiring perspective, that's a great risk reduction. It's, I think, better than a traditional internship program where the company is fully responsible for the intern. Maybe it pans out, maybe it doesn't. But here you can look at, uh, I'd say, in their natural habitat, people working in a team, solving a tough problem, and uh, a company can pick and choose who they wish to interview based on that. Okay. Now, you mentioned NASA's supported projects mm-hmm. here. Are there any other organizations? That yes. The uh, Department of Navy sponsored a project uh, last year in transactive energy uh, that has to do with microgrids and nanogrids, where we're developing more ways of produce energy at the, at the point of use, you know, whether it's solar panels on your house or thermal energy, uh, lots of different techniques, wind energy. Uh, how do you, the challenge is, how do you bring all that together into the grid? And also, how do, you, how do you do the accounting of that? So whose kilowatt hours went where? Mm. So that's where the transactive part comes in, the transactive energy. So they gave a, a tough challenge problem, and we recruited a bunch of uh, college students, mostly from Cal State San Marcos, they had no experience in this before, but they were quick learners, willing to try, and uh, it was a great project. We actually built a small nano grid, and we actually had some experiments going in blockchain technology wow. to do the accounting. So, mixing all those different technologies together, part of the experiment that Navy really wanted to see was how fast can people learn new technologies yeah. and adapt. And in that respect, we had a final review with several. You know, Navy and government and industry folks coming in for the final presentation and uh, you know grilling of, of the results. Uh, very successful. Everyone's very impressed. You know, the result was yes, people can in the right environment and, and right ingredients uh, adopt and develop new technology much more rapidly than we traditionally give people credit for. Yeah. And are you interested in other organizations? Providing projects for the definitely, the definitely, we're always looking for partners, <clears throat> both in government and industry. Um, we have very strong connections on the academic side, particularly here in North County, with Cal State San Marcos, Palomar College, and Maricosta College. So we're really being a fusion point or connector between the academic side and, and the industry side. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the team thing. Um, do I need to be be a team or show up with a team to work here? No, not necessarily. Uh, uh, we definitely have individual memberships uh, where people come in. Maybe they have they just want to learn new skills. They've heard about three D printing, laser cutting, uh, some of the electronics, Internet of Things. All that's available here for an individual to start. And you don't need a prior experience in it. You can start with just all you need is curiosity and a drive to learn, and we'll take it from there. Um, but we also have. Um, it's a very collaborative environment where members will come in as an individual and they just start talking with other members and sharing their ideas. And it's always interesting to see the interactions and the the, uh, the catalyst that occurs when people start sharing their ideas and helping each other out. Wonderful. So it kind of goes back to the same theme as Open Source Saturdays with San Diego Tech Hub. Yeah, yeah. I can see where they're, they're very complimentary. Mm-hmm. 
Is there anything else uh, that uh, you'd like to talk about or any topics that we've missed? Uh, let's see. Just the, the region is growing really well. We're really impressed with the economic diversity and opportunities that are available. And that's kind of like our main message is whether you want to start a company or uh, expand your career into different kinds of technology. There's so many different industries in this county, in particular North County, that uh, I'm just really enthused about how, much, how many opportunities are available for people starting their career or changing their career. Um, so I want to encourage people to learn new things and investigate new opportunities that they have. Yeah. Now you mentioned something to me the other day that, that I found really quite uh, shocking. Hmm? And that is that in this job market where there's so many jobs available, there's new entry-level people are having a hard time finding work. Yes, yes. It's a... It's a big problem. We've talked about that quite a bit in different venues, in uh, manufacturing roundtables, in uh, San Diego Startup Week. There was a topic for several uh, panel discussions. <clears throat> Companies are needing, um, I guess maybe we're kind of redefining what entry level is. I guess the previous model would be if you get your degree or your certificate from a training program at a community college, then you would start in with a company in a quote entry level position and they would train you over some period of time, usually months to get up to speed to their local procedures or their technology. But business and um, industry is moving so fast where there really isn't enough time to do that long onboarding process. Industry needs people that can come in and start being productive right away. So I think we've kind of shift the definition of entry-level position. Uh, they're looking for people that, even as a starting position, can come in and hit the ground running and contribute right away rather than well, after three months of onboarding, then you'll be productive. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a challenge to, again, back to the skill sets I was talking about. It's a mix of hard skills and soft skills. How do you really hone and sharpen those skills so that day one you can be a productive member of a team? Um, and that's, that's a bit harder to find. Mm. And I suppose the Tech Hub has a, a role to play there as well. Yes, definitely do. Yeah. Uh, active topping there, there's a lot of cross-mentoring going on and uh, education and training. It's really about you know building the, the technical base of San Diego County. You've been listening to Conduit, a podcast that chronicles the San Diego Tech Hub. This show was written and produced by Martin Danner with help from San Diego Tech Hub members affectionately known as Conduits. If you're interested in learning more about the San Diego Tech Hub, or better yet, getting involved, visit their website at sandiegotechhub.com. You can also find the San Diego Tech Hub on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is a production of Conversayer, a podcast network focused on developing talented new podcasters who want to make a positive change in society and the environment. For more information about Conversayer, go to conversayer.net. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to Conduit wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Martin Danner. Thank you for listening.